0: and welcome to the Let's Talk Mental Health Show, where we discuss all aspects of mental health and wellness and how it impacts our physical health. We'll share stories and speak with behavioral health experts to normalize conversations around mental health and the need for occasional support. Our goal is to reduce stigma and provide listeners with tools and resources you need to lead physically and mentally healthy lives. Hello, and welcome to our episode on unconscious bias, leaving your bias at the door. I am your host, Anna Nguyen. I am a licensed marriage family therapist. I am a program manager for our Behavioral Health and Primary Care Integration Program for Providence, and I am located in Orange County, California. And just as a reminder, the information that you're getting today is meant for educational purposes only. So if you have any questions about any medical conditions or treatment plans, please feel free to contact your physician. Now let's get started. I am so excited to be here with Anna Franklin. She is the Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer for the Providence, Washington, Montana region. Anna,
1: can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi, Anna, it's so nice to be here with you uh, today and all of our viewers. I currently serve our Washington, Montana family of ministries and organizations. And my primary responsibility is to examine ways in which we can weave and embed diversity, equity, and inclusion into every fabric of the work that we do. And that includes patient care, both clinical and non-clinical, uh, so that uh, we're finding solutions that build upon our mission and values in, that, uh, in ways that every caregiver can see themselves as a DEI leader across our region.
0: Thank you, I think it's so important that we're talking about this today. I always think about unconscious bias as a ripple effect. You know, it starts with one thing, but it has this huge impact on not only the work that we do, caregivers, patients, communities. So let's start with why we're here. Let's talk a little bit about what unconscious bias is.
1: Perfect. Well, from my perspective, impl- I call it implicit unconscious bias uh, because it really refers to all of our our attitudes and our beliefs and stereotypes that each one of us might have that we've developed over time. Um, it really evolves uh for who we are as individuals today. And it impacts our understanding of situations that we're faced with, uh, that we may not be uh, familiar with. It may impact um, our actions, our responses, and our decisions that we make in an unconscious way, uh, making it uh, sometimes difficult to control. You know, what's really
0: interesting on my end of things, and as we think about the brain and the psychology of it, unconscious bias really stems from this data bank that we have in our brain. And we get this data bank from the moment we're born, we're like sponges and we absorb everything. And so even up until right now, and even as we continue on with our lives, we're constantly pulling in information. And a lot of times our brain doesn't necessarily know if it's right or wrong information. It just pulls in information. It's interesting because psychologically unconscious bias is really just these ideas that we've stored. And if we don't have the correct updated information, then a lot of times it pulls from these old ideas that we may have stored from a long time ago. You know, it's you know, let's talk a little bit about um, I think it's really fascinating the different types of unconscious bias as well, that we can easily fall into these traps.
1: Oh, absolutely. Traps that we're actually really um, oftentimes even unaware of, and I call those uh, mind traps. And so um, because we can be so unaware of these mind traps, I think it's uh, that's where the power of our conscious mind comes into play. And so when we think about uh, different types of unconscious, uh, implicit unconscious bias, the one that really comes to mind uh, to me at the top is uh, stereotyping and really it's allowing us to associate this uh, a set of traits or abilities or characteristics to a broad uh, a broad spectrum of individuals when in all reality uh, those stereotypes could be wrong as as we as we move forward but it also allows for us to make those quick snap judgments those quick snap decisions and uh, oftentimes when we talk about our brain going into fight or flight mode and then sometimes freeze mode, uh, it, it's it's necessary for us to have that. And uh, the, th- the one point that you made that I, I always find so fascinating is how complex we are and how imperfect we are as human beings. And so really having that solid understanding and uh, the interplay of all of our different emotions, sadness is required for true happiness, as well as the importance of allowing ourselves to be open and and vulnerable to really understanding what uh, the different types of biases are. Uh, one bias that I remember identifying in myself uh, years ago is confirmation bias. So really searching for and interpreting and emphasizing and recalling information in a way that confirms my own preconceived notion. So I would search for individuals that actually agreed with me um, and, and, and confirmed what I was thinking instead of really proactively seeking out the different perspectives and so there's a variety of of different uh, biases that show up Uh, actually there's hundreds of different biases that show up but across uh, the region and across Providence we really focus in on those common ones such as uh, such as confirmation bias in group bias the halo horn effect stereotyping um, availability bias loss aversion and really thinking about ways in which we prefer to avoid uh, losses by maintaining that status quo rather than acquiring a a different uh, type of gain that's, that's different than what we could ever imagine.
0: You know, that's so interesting, Anna, that you talk about all the different types of biases because one of the myths I know that's out there is if I have bias, does that mean I'm bad? Does that mean it's wrong? And I've always thought of that in terms of, you know, if you're human, you're going to have bias because bias just means that it's information that we've collected over time. Um, One of the best ways I know uh, to really combat this is to be able to apply a lot of empathy. Like you said, so the the confirmation bias, we tend to like things and we want to look for the confirmation of things that we know about something. But what's really important is a step outside of our box, right? To be able to understand someone's perspective, to be able to have that empathy and connect with someone that maybe we don't have the full picture of, but we want to get to know. Only then I really found that when we get to know someone and their whole picture and we have that empathy, we really are able to update that data bank in our brain. And when we do that, it's so much more helpful.
1: Absolutely. I always, always mention to be biased is to be human and we do need that bias but uh, another uh area that i'm i'm fascinated in is uh listening to learn and not listening to respond and that's truly how when we listen and we learn that's truly how we have a solid understanding a much deeper understanding of individuals that bring a different perspective that bring a unique perspective that i honestly uh i find it i seek that out now where before i didn't used to seek that out so much but i seek it out because it just contributes to my uh journey of ongoing learning and i love to learn so who doesn't love to learn uh, uh-huh. one of the things that i also think about in in the with regards to that uh listening and learning and empathy is we oftentimes hear the word uh cultural competence or i have um become an expert in this area and for me personally one of the things that i'm constantly thinking about is my ongoing journey of cultural humility so whenever I feel my little ego rising, I think, uh-oh, no, no, no. Let's think about this from a different perspective because there's always going to be different perspectives out there. And uh, this, these, these are just some ways in which I can combat my own uh, individual biases when, they, when, I, when I feel them start to appear and really, uh, really strive for a lifelong learning uh, from a cultural humility journey perspective.
0: Oh, I I love that so much, Anna. It's so interesting because what you and I do, we we overlap in so many ways because for me, I, I think about the psychology of it. And we always talk about how it's so important to not just everyone has a reaction, but it's reaction versus response. Right. So with unconscious bias, it's so tied into our instinct and our reaction. And every single human has a reaction. But the more helpful thing is to figure out if I'm having a reaction that's okay, but how do I choose to respond? And I think about response and maybe the healthcare setting, you know, how have you seen this impact the way, you know, caregiver bias has impacted patients and communities?
1: You know, uh, great, great question, Anna. And one of the things that we have been focused on, uh, which is uh, our top, one of our top, very top priorities is health equity, because we do recognize that uh, our Implicit unconscious biases impact the uh, delays in patient care, uh, delays in our patients receiving poor treatment. Uh, implicit unconscious bias can result in incorrect diagnoses. It can incorrect. It, it can. It can. You can see it play out in diagnosis being uh, occurring at a later stage within the, the disease uh, time frame, um, and also. Patients receiving poor treatment. And so with that, one of the things that we really focus on um, is really having that internal uh, self awareness. So it's one thing to know that implicit unconscious biases exist, but it's another to know what your own individual implicit unconscious biases are and that journey of self-awareness helps us to identify when we're starting to unconsciously make those mental shortcuts shortcuts so um, for me personally i know that at certain times of day i may be uh, a little tired i may be a little hungry and during those times when i start to feel that energy uh, build internally I know that I'm prone to making my own mental shortcuts. And that's when my biases may come out more so than at other times of the day. So I have specific uh, routines where I'm very mindful of of acting upon a different routine, such as making sure I'm getting a healthy snack to keep up my energy, to make sure I have water and things at my fingertips, or simply taking a five-second pause and really questioning my own mental shortcuts and asking myself, am I making a judgment about this person and situation based on my own internal um, implicit unconscious biases?
0: I love that. And did you know in therapy, we we have the acronym HALT. So it's always to check in with yourself. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? So it ties so much into what you're talking about because if we are any of those things and we know that we're more vulnerable, wow, it is so important to pause, to really think about how I can really check in with myself. It's a lot of insight work, and a lot of self-reflection that we have to be open enough to really think about where am I at right now and what may my biases be? Because we have our conscious bias and we have our unconscious bias. We have things that we're aware of because of our past experiences, and then we have things that maybe we are not aware of. And the hardest part is I, I always say you don't know what you don't know. But it's like that, that iceberg, you know, scenario, right, where you have the tip of the iceberg and that's your consciousness. Underneath it is this huge iceberg that's your unconscious, that we may not know everything that's going on in there. And it's so important. You know, I always think about how un- unconscious bias really can tie in with microaggression that can really break the trust in the communities that we have in terms of healthcare and creating a more equitable Um, healthcare system for them.
1: You know, the great tie-in to microaggressions, Uh, a few years ago, I seen uh, this video on microaggressions and it talked about microaggressions and likened microaggressions to uh, mosquito bites. And I don't know if you've seen this video, but uh, microaggressions are those little sayings, little little actions that... that, uh, we uh, may exhibit um, onto others uh, as an individual, as a group of individuals, or just even in a, in a situation and that are very hurtful um, but in but the the intention behind the microaggressions it's not a, it's not a hurtful intention in many cases in some cases it is, but in those that it's not, that's where that um, they feed into that implicit unconscious bias. And so in healthcare that's where we really uh, practice so that that, that The acronym we have is PAWS. And this is where we're really asking individuals when you start to feel feel that that's where we're asking for that five second pause because an individual on the receiving end of a microaggression it's like having a million mosquito bites occur to you in one day and how are you Mm going to feel how do you feel after you have several mosquito bites you feel frustrated you're you're discomfort you're in discomfort physically mentally and and a lot of times it can it can be displayed in anger or in sadness, or just the, the whole maraud of emotions. But in reality, it's a result of all of those constant microaggressions occurring um, at a constant rate throughout the day. And even um, on a, at a slower pace, so when we think about the acronym PAUSE, it's really thinking about how do we internally pay attention to what we're saying and what we're doing, but also to the individual that we're in, in communication with, that we're interacting with, or the situation as a whole, and really taking a step back to acknowledge what are the assumptions that we are automatically making during that time, and, and really trying to understand the different perspectives Seeking out different perspectives, understanding our own perspective, and then really thinking about ways in which we can look at all of the different options at a quick pace and make a decision based on that, but really making sure that we're not falling for those mental traps and that we're speaking out when we see these microaggressions occur. Uh, One of the phrases that we like to, to mention are those ouch phrases. Ouch, that moment really, it hurt me. And this is the reason why. What might we do different next time?
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's fantastic because these are so helpful and having proactive tips on what we can do to really check in with ourselves. I think it's really interesting as we're talking about the way trust is broken in the community, because it really does lead to huge health disparities. You know, if we don't trust our healthcare system, we're not getting the help that we need and then it starts to really impact the way communities as a whole start to function it's really interesting because as we're talking about our vision on how do we really check our unconscious bias it's tough because we can't have this vision without healing first and when I think about healing I think so much of how we have to work on the trust that's been broken there's this fantastic quote that is we move at the speed of trust Mm -hmm. and I think that's so applicable to what we're talking about because we can't go forward with our vision. We can't go forward with helping others without going back to the idea of how do we really rebuild this trust that's been broken?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one way in which we rebuild that trust is, again, I'm gonna go back to we listen to learn. We listen to the voices of the of our communities that we serve. Uh, we listen and we think about the ways in which we rebuild that trust in new ways. So, are we bringing, are we expecting individuals to come to our healthcare system the way it, um, the way we deliver the service or are we open in seeking out different perspectives and learning different perspectives and how our communities might need to receive the healthcare. And uh, so it's really looking at that just in time. How are we providing healthcare in a way that is in the right amount of time in the right uh, location and at the right time.
0: That's so interesting, too. It's it's so much communication. And I know in sometimes when we have a conversation about bias, or when we talk about how we feel, sometimes, you know, It feels really uncomfortable and sometimes we don't always want to bring up the topics because sometimes we don't want to offend anyone so it gets really uncomfortable for us and we're worried are they uncomfortable as well but from what i'm hearing that you're talking about anna what we're talking about in general is we have to really start to communicate right we have to communicate not only with ourselves and the self-reflection of figuring out where am i at what are some thoughts that are coming up am i feeling particularly vulnerable right now or Is this something i need to talk about right now with the person that i'm noticing is showing maybe this unconscious bias and we want to make sure we we protect that so much and talk about how we can have maybe just clear conversations i love the piece about learning as long as we have this curiosity about others we're updating that data bank in our minds if we cling on to some of the old ideas they're ever changing you know if you ever think about technology you know our phones are constantly changing. There's constantly a new one, and I really do think that's how we should approach unconscious bias in our data bank with our with our brain too. Is that we should always learn more and be more curious and take the time to update all of the information that we have going on.
1: I think. Go ahead. Oh well, Anna, you bring up. I I love everything that you just mentioned. And I love updating our data banks. And one of the ways in which we update our data banks and we also start to normalize the conversation is we approach these conversations in a way to where we're listening with compassionate empathy. And this goes back to your empathy. Chloe Valdary, uh, the author of Theory of Enchantment once stated, uh, we, we listen with a compassionate empathy, even in the midst of profound disagreement what an impact that has on all of our conversations, our interactions, our decision making, because that opens the door for us to hear these different perspectives. Even if we don't necessarily understand or agree with the different perspectives, we're opening the door to the conversation. And having that conversation is really that, uh, one of the, the initial steps in truly having that understanding of of where each one of us is coming from and how we might interact and, and move forward to really uh, address these the situations that we're faced with and address our own um, internal uh, inco- implicit unconscious biases and that's the the I and me work that's that's the that's the work that we have to begin with before we really focus in on the we work.
0: I love it and you know it's it's really tied in as we're talking about everything with providence and their vision of health for a better world. And it's really this idea that and this belief that every individual deserves to live their healthiest life. I think that resonates with me so much. And as we're talking about this, how it's so important that if we truly want health for a better world, it really starts with the way we see ourselves, the way we work through some of these deeper things, the self-reflection, the way we interact with others. It's so important because it's truly that ripple effect where we can impact communities just by shaping and checking in with where we're at. Anna, do you, and I know we wanna take time for questions as well, um, but do you have any last takeaways, anything you would want our audience to know?
1: I think there is so much power in the five second pause before we respond and really asking ourselves, am I falling for my uh, mind trap? Am Am I making a decision based on my own implicit unconscious bias? or a judgment onto this person or the situation. But even before we can ask that question, we have to be aware of our own internal individual implicit con- unconscious biases. We're not doing this to change another individual. We're doing this work as, as, as our own individual work at our own pace. And this is where it's so important uh, to meet everyone where they are in their own individual journey of cultural development and cultural humility.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And I know we have a couple questions, so we'll take the last couple of minutes to answer some. But one question is, how do you have a conversation with
1: someone you think is showing unconscious bias? having that conversation with someone who is showing um, uh, implicit unconscious bias actually it's it takes um a lot of self-reflection internally because these are very like you mentioned before these are very difficult. these can be very difficult conversations and so one of the the ways in which i like to approach the conversation is i like to think about what is it within that individual's uh, uh, behavior or response or action that is bothering me and bringing up my own internal ego? What is it? Am I seeing that as a reflection of myself as well? And so when I think about when I bring it back to the me, that's where I think about am I making assumptions? am i uh looking at this from different perspectives and so um this past weekend i was actually uh in a in a situation where i was feeling uh implicit unconscious bias being projected towards towards me in a way and so i automatically started thinking what are my assumptions and i'm going to move i'm going to move this uh, conversation forward so i said you know I am not going to make any assumptions on this on this particular situation, but I I do need to learn more. So tell me a little bit more from of where you're coming from with this uh, perspective. And then I can tell you how I'm where I'm coming from, from my perspective. And so it's really a matter of just opening that dialogue in a way that's not uh, blaming. It's not judgmental. It's really coming from a place of openness and in meeting individuals where they are and seeking out additional information.
0: I love that so much, and it really is so important to know that because a big part of, I think, our hesitancy is, one, we're not sure how the other person is going to respond, but if you automatically take off judgment from the table and you take off, you, we don't want to attack anyone, but we come from a place where we genuinely want someone to know if they are showing unconscious bias. I, You know, we talk so much in therapy about... Getting to know who you're having a conversation with in terms of identifying how close are they to you? Are they your family members, your core group? And of course, if, if it's this is your tribe, you want them to know because they care about you. They love you. If it's further out, if they are coworkers, if they are friends that you don't know very well, if they're acquaintances, it might look a little different too on who we choose to have these conversations with. But it's important for us to, to really get it going to think about how do I talk about it? Who do I want to talk about it with? That's so important.
1: It is so important. and that's where um especially uh, in the professional setting, if it's a co-worker, that's where the power of those ouch moments come into play because it's a way in which we can approach the situation uh, that that removes blame and it removes judgment because we're coming from our own internal place of that, that kind of that hurt me a little. that that made me feel this way. That was an ouch moment for me in explaining the why so that we can uh, uh, listen with com- that compassion and empathy and really start to seek out those different perspectives.
0: Absolutely. And we have another question. Is it okay to call a doctor out when or if they are showing a bias?
1: Absolutely.
0: I will go, go ahead. Anna. Oh, go ahead, Anna. I was going to say as a provider myself, yes, we want to know because our whole purpose is to be here for you. Our her purpose is to, to want to help you to get better. And if there's anything that's getting in the way of keeping us from that, if it's an unconscious bias, again, we don't know what we don't know. But once we know, it is then our responsibility to
1: make sure that it doesn't come up in that way. Absolutely, and I firmly believe that as an individual, every single one of us, we have to be our own ally in our healthcare journey. And the power of being our own ally, one aspect of that is speaking up and and communicating how we are feeling. If we are having those feelings of confusion, if we're having those feelings of not really understanding of, of what, what the next steps are. That's where those points of clarification are, are playing out. And it's called implicit unconscious bias for a reason. And many times when, it's, uh, when it uh, comes out, it is in an unconscious manner that we're not even recognizing and not connecting with our conscious mind. So for a patient or an individual to say, uh, bring that out to me, I look at those as gifts. That is my gift in the moment to have that self-reflection, that self-awareness, that conversation, and to, to continue with the trust, because that's all a part of the trust uh, factor as well. And that's how we maintain that trust, especially between a, uh, a patient and position uh, uh, relationship.
0: You know, it's interesting. And you know, what it really comes down to as I'm having this conversation with you is it, it almost asks the question of what does it mean to have a human interaction with each other? What does it mean to be human as we're talking about all these reflective things? What does it mean to really share with someone a piece of us that may be vulnerable or seem really scary? And what does it mean to take that risk? You know, it, it brings up all these really great questions about what does it mean to be human and interact with other humans?
1: Exactly. And that interaction is so incredibly important, especially uh, when we think about our lived experiences over a lifetime and what we've been exposed to, how we were raised, our education and and what that looks like. And so to to have that opportunity to sit back and, and receive that feedback from an individual that is, rely, oh, my lights just went out, that is relying on me, it, it's just, that's why I look at it as a gift because that's where we can really move forward. And it's a gift because I know that my next response is going to be different based on that interaction that the patient trusted me with. It's such a wonderful growing process for every single person
0: involved, if they're all willing to. I think that's always the best case scenario. If they're all willing to, And you listen, you approach it with that curiosity, we can only grow from here. But I know we're just about out of time. So thank you so much, Anna, for joining me today on talking about this important topic and to everyone listening and sending in your questions. And just a reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, please visit Providence.org. Make sure to follow Providence on social media at Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today.
1: Thank you.